are back to speak with we our fans back. about we are movies. Back. We are back. And I'm singing because we are going to be All talking right. about musicals today. All right, I'm done. I'm sorry. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in, our, our family. Uh, we are talking about two lovely musical films today. Um, wh- why don't you do the, uh, the honors, Jeffrey? West Side Story, 1961, and West Side Story, 2021. Ding! Ooh, Ding. the ones. Directed by, the most recent, directed by Steven Spielberg and written by Tony Kushner. And the former was directed, co-directed, Robert Wise, Robert Wise, yep. Jerome Robbins, uh, and written, well, screenplay by Ernest Lehman, or Lehman, probably Lehman. Yeah. So, a lot of heavyweights. These he- heavyweights, the songs are stuck in my head. Um, I want to live in America, and we live in America. Where do we start with these? You know, I, I mean, mean, just to it's all it's it's always great to start at the beginning, right? Yeah, I mean, just to just to set up the obvious, you know, this was based on the 1957 musical mm-hmm. written by Leonard Bernstein, Stephen Sondheim, and Arthur Lawrence, conceptualized by yep. Jerome Robbins, and that was based on Romeo and Juliet. So it also it all R- goes R.I.P. Stephen Sondheim. R.I.P. William Shakespeare. Oh, oh yeah, Stephen Sondheim. That's right. <laughs> I mean Stephen Sondheim. I mean he is <laughs> the musical Shakespeare yeah. of our time. Well, no, yeah. Um, but yeah, less less than a year ago. I mean, what a few months ago he passed him like that. I think yeah, like his his like last consultant was between Steven Spielberg's movie and then Tick Tick Boom, which came out um, this year. You know, last year I got to say, twenty twenty one was was a, a surprising year for musicals you right. know I, I do think when it comes to studio filmmaking that uh we just haven't been seeing a lot of musicals so i, I gotta say you know uh, jeffrey and i both went to theater school and it was it, it was just a bright i'd say i'd say it's just a, a bright turn for hollywood to just embrace the musical film as a genre and uh find ways to reinvent it and 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 show how that genre can 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 be present in our times. And but let's, jumping let's back not forget to, yeah. in the heights too, which I I never right, saw. Right in the heights. But, um, you know, I did see. You did I see. Did okay. see but um, yeah, like you said. So I mean, musicals are just so hard to adapt to film. I, I think, um, the, I I think that's been the hesitation with the genre in film because. I mean, I think I, I think ever since music videos became such a, a massive deal, and people are so used to seeing singing like videos and music videos are nowadays. I mean, they pump so much money into these things, tens of millions of dollars. That I just I, I'm just wondering why there isn't so much of a pull because Tick Tick Boom premiered on Netflix, and uh, this movie did poorly at the box office, and so did. In the Heights, in the Heights, actually, also did very poorly at the box office. So last year was a great year for musicals in terms of production, but um, audiences just were not churning out for them, you know. And well, let's they're so magical. Since you brought it up, let's get the know. stats on on that because I I'd like to know exactly how poorly it did at the box office. Um, just well, uh, Stevie Stevie Spiel, Uncle Stevie, 
100 million dollar budget and worldwide box office was 75 million okay domestic 38 um, five and i mean to yeah. cut them to cut a little slack i mean people are still working their way back into movie theaters like more or less i mean but not really because they went more they, or less they came out for <laughs> they came out for they no, came out for spidey yeah, they came out for no way home yeah they came out for That's Sp- true. they came out for no way home and they also came out for no time to die. Well, let me ask you this: uh, They came out for a lot of stuff. This is what I, I've been thinking about. Is like, I think that I think that with musicals, especially musicals like West Side Story, which are legacy traditional musicals, it's drawing on a very specific uh, fan base. But I'm not sure if that fan base is as wide as as people think. There will will always be people who go out for musicals, but. But we assume that it's this it's this juggernaut, and I just don't know if it is anymore. Yeah, I'm. I I think, yeah, I think it does make sense. I I think In the Heights probably had a larger opportunity to to be a, a, just a massive hit, only because In the Heights is actually written by Lin Manuel Miranda, and it. it it, it it just it, it's it's a film about and a celebration of multiple Hispanic communities in New York, whereas West Side Story is specifically about the influx of uh, of Puerto Ricans around the forties and fifties. Um, so, but I, I thought that in in the Heights, I thought could have I think there was an issue with marketing, and I don't I don't know if they need to they need to collaborate with Bad Bunny or something like. <laughs> You know, I, I think that musicals could use some sort of a, a massive um, reinvention because I do think that, again, because people are so used to seeing people sing on camera so often nowadays, and I mean, music videos are, are basically musicals, you know, a, a lot of them, and, and and people are just so used to seeing so many, like, just insane things in music videos. I, I, I wonder if there's a way to do something. Now th- this is this is me just this is sort of the innovation in film you know sort of yeah. a, a thought experiment right now but I I wonder if there's a way to inject some of that ingenuity from music videos into the musical genre and that can push it because I think that the last big musical that made a lot of money was like Dreamgirls you know and that's because I mean you had Beyonce in there you know okay yeah interesting I mean I think I think what you're talking about is something that veers well okay there was la la land that was a traditional musical that did oh really well. pardon pardon me um, and there's probably been others but that's that's a really good point sorry la la land was the last overperforming music musical la la land did feel like it re- reinvented the form yeah. in a lot of ways though. but and it, but I it's thought, not doing yeah. exactly what you're talking about and i and i like what you're suggesting and i so there's a couple things to say one is that like um in the Heights and West Side Story are are shows that are both based on stage musicals, and I think what we're talking about yes. is the idea of a musical film that's conceived specifically for cinema, which I feel like for which film. I feel like West uh, La La Land was, and yes. but what you're talking about is something that's aggressively contemporary and that's un, unabashedly contemporary, and that's you know if you if you're talking about someone like Bad Bunny or like or whatever you know using actual like contemporary uh like urban i don't like that word but it's like you know 
like right, hip hop right. or, or like some something that isn't associated yeah. with that old shit. And and honestly, I'm not I'm I I can't find myself unable to watch uh, Hamilton, but um, at least on on Disney Plus. But I think that's what made it so popular is that it's taking these old ideas and new ideas and it's this it's this cultural you know slam poetry rap yeah and blending that with yes. this old stuff like it's a new uh it's remixing old ideas to come up with new shit and to be honest as much as i like the new west side story it is it did not it's it's a that. rendition of an old tune you know what i mean like that's yes. all it is yes. and so we can't expect people to get that excited about that and and yes. also to yes. be honest like now, and I think that it's one of those things that's gonna pick pick up progressive speed. I mean, I didn't watch it until until this week. You know what I mean? And now we've yeah. got we saw Ariana Debose at the Oscar. People, it takes a while for people to give a shit about stuff. Because to be honest, <laughs> no one's going to, no one is shelling out twenty bucks to see uh, Ansel Elgort. You know what I mean? But now that it's true, they are not. Yeah. And and now. Um, and like, there are some people who will shell out to go see the new Steven Spielberg, but it's honestly not a lot of people. Um, right, right. And or like, who will just go for the name recognition alone, and and then you know you're dealing with a cast of of unknowns that are now becoming names. And right, is, right. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And I I actually really like that you brought that La La Land was written for the cinema. Because it is, I mean, that La La Land, it just felt like... It felt right. It, it felt like, yeah, it felt right. And it felt like, uh, at least in, in its uh, rendition, as you said, it, it's just so contemporary and postmodern. And that's like what was exciting about it. You know, now the classicism, you know, and taking this sort of, just bridging this back to the 1961 film, the classicism, I mean, there's nothing more operatic than than, than the way this movie was done and Robert Rise also did Sound of Music, right? Yeah, he did Sound of Music after. Okay. So, oh, interesting. So he had, he's had he had a very like unusual career where he basically um started as far as I know he started doing like westerns and B movies and then noirs and then he did like dramas in the 50s and stuff like um sort of edgy movies and then um and he also did the sci-fi classic The Day the Earth Stood Still in i th oh, okay. i think 1950 or something and um yeah. so he was just kind of like a versatile experienced hollywood guy and then he i don't know why exactly he was uh, the, i think it was his first musical is my point i i i, I think yeah. it may have been his first musical at least the one that i that i know of and 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 he co-directed it with jerome because jerome is is a is a known choreographer well he was the guy who conceived the the stage musical and cor and choreographed oh, okay. it. so it was basically okay, his see it stage. was his whole vision and then he helped yeah. him and Robert Wise figure out how to bring it to the screen and uh, they did a pretty fucking good job I mean it won ten Oscars and it's considered one of the best of its genre so even it, watching it now it just bursts with innovation like and style it really does the the style the camera work the the staging. I, I actually was really surprised because I think it was a, a few months ago when I was back in New York with my little sister, I wanted to watch Little Shop of Horrors with her. So we watched that together. And Little Shop of Horrors was made 
decades later. Wait, wait, and, the the '80s Little Shop of Horrors, or yeah, okay, yeah, which is yeah, a remake. Yeah, the one with um, with Rick Moranis, which is <laughs> yeah, with yeah. Rick Moranis, which is a remake of the not the which is a remake, sort of or like new adaptation because it's a musical and the original is just a black and white film, right. a sort of sci-fi comedy. But um, but anyways, when I was watching that. That uh, Little Shop of Horrors, I think, had a pretty substantial budget. I forget what it was, but they used so so much more of you know New York City stage sets, and you, you just saw a lot of this stagey theatricality in Little mm. Shop of Horrors. And I had never seen this 1961 West Side Story. I think um, I, I had I had told you I just had just been growing a little weary with the Romeo and Juliet storylines. And this is why I kind of just wasn't that excited to watch it. But watching it now, I was in shock at how in 1961, I mean, they were shooting in these New York streets. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you, you know, and the way that they were able to, to light this on 60, 65 millimeter film and stage all these actors all over the city with uh and it was one of the first musicals to to dub them over i mean i mean there are so many technological innovations going on um wait is um, that true about the overdubbing that, yeah. for for singing i think no i think that i think that's been a so, pretty old technique because that was what singing oh, was it yeah like that's what singing in the rain was about and stuff it was like um or i i think so it's like that whole idea that like you can just get anyone to sing uh, to replace the voice like that. I'm pretty sure that's an as uh, old a technique as sound film itself, but, um, but prove me if I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. They were dubbing over already, but this is like a time, but the, the they actually, the, I, I was reading at the lead actor in the 1961 version, um, Bayer, I think his name is. Oh, uh, Richard Bamer. Richard Bamer, yeah. yeah, Richard Bamer, yeah, he actually didn't sing a lot of um, a lot of it, and they actually got like another performer I for that. I mean, well, at um, least at least in this, I was looking at the soundtrack, and as far as I could tell, they all got their voices replaced. I don't think anyone sang. Oh wow! Yeah, I don't think anyone sang that's, their own shit. That's really yeah. Actually, no. Yeah, go go to the Wikipedia on the cast. It says Natalie Wood. Marnie Nixon was oh, Marnie Nixon is singing Maria's voice. singing voice. Jimmy Bryant is Tony's singing voice. Tucker Smith is Riff's singing voice. Betty Wan is Anita's. Yeah. Like, and to be honest, can we just talk about both real quick? Because because I've I've been curious about that. Did they do the same yeah. thing with the new one, or did they keep it real? Like, did they did those actors actually sing their parts? Those actors actually sang. Okay. That's I think that's they a I think that was a mistake and we can tell <laughs> and not not because <laughs> not because and if you don't mind I want to I want to come after their neck I want to dive into this it's not because I think yeah. um and I I may be I may be reaching a bit in my analysis but I think um that the fundamental thing that made the originally original West Side Story work so well is that for the most part their acting was really spot on. Uh, Richard Bamer is a little bit of a of a pancake, but um, but whatever. Like they're pretty fucking great actors, and they really are great dancers. Like they really dance with the dancing is insane. Yeah, the dancing oh is God. absolutely insane, and they sell the acting so well. It's like it, it's like everything feels motivated. It feels like it comes from character. I gotta say, in and and I feel like when you're casting for acting 
and dancing and voice, it's tricky because you can't like, you know, they, they have to make sure they're casting people with decent singing voices. I felt like a lot of the dancing did not have that sense of, of like being feeling extremely motivated and like the a lot of the dancing felt like and this is this is in I, the 1961 no, 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 I'm talking about or, in the 2021 version I'm saying in the 2021, the 2021 version the, I'm the saying the dancing the dancing was a little lacking in the sense that they just didn't sell it in a way that felt as motivated and it was like 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 I saw what was going on in their heads was just like I want to like just thinking of what 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 the next move was you know what I mean like they're just trying to get it right <laughs> Like they're just trying to get each move right, but with the side story, like like Richard Bamer's physicality is incredible. Like the way, do you remember that scene where um where he accident where he where he stabs the guy and then the cops come and then uh and then the the tomboy in the gang is is shouting at him uh to to leave and then he climbs over the fence that huge fence in like three moves. Do you remember that? Yeah. He's like, boom, yeah, boom, yeah. boom. And then he's over. And But he does it with such emotion. And I'm like, okay, that's why they cast this guy. Like, they didn't cast Richard Bamer because he could sing or really because he could act. It's because he moves in his, this incredible... His physicality is incredible. And and I don't think Ansel Elgort's physicality was was on that level. I, 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 I thought that from the moment we were introduced in the 1961 version to Tony and the the opening scene of him putting the Coca-Cola cans. I thought that even the timing of that scene in that single take, you had a lot, you, you had a, a lot more and obviously because they're conserving film back in the day, but there are a lot more single take sequences right. in, in that film where you could see the performers actually utilizing their body as an instrument so beautifully i will say just just in terms of pure story that hooked me in richard bamer and natalie wood as uh tony and maria they 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 pulled me in way more than rachel and ansel rachel and ansel they had the right faces and uh and voices but there is just something. Uh, it, this movie, this story is just so operatic that in order for it to work, because there's not that much, and when I say texture, there's just not that much nuance going on in their relationship. You know, that like you kind of just, you, you kind of. You're still talking about the, 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 about the Spielberg, right? Yeah. yeah, well, I'm ta- I'm talking about both oh, okay. and stories like this that are just so grandiose and operatic, where where it, it, it's you're talking about these very broad issues and you know big like themes, our, our, yeah, yeah, and the, our leads are playing these archetypes of yeah. you know like uh, of a you know the fallen leader and and the the innocent uh, ingenue and you just you need such incredible performers to bring the level of charisma and and swagger and charm and i i actually i did not i i i i really enjoyed the the 2021 version but i i, I think that they were it, it was just more of an ensemble film in the supporting cast 
I thought was, I, was just, they, I found them so much more magnetic. Yeah. yeah. So, so much so that I wanted to follow uh, Ariana DeBose's and, 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 and Riff and her, her oh. and Riff's, uh, you know, or um, not, yeah, Riff was amazing, but uh, uh, is it Bernardo? Yeah, Bernardo. The, the boyfriend? Yeah, I wanted to follow their storyline. I, I was, I was like wishing that the story was focused on them. You know, yeah. because they they have such such an Im- impactful scene. I it's funny. I actually thought that the, the supporting characters were done so much better in the 2021 version. Yeah. Whereas exactly in the 1961, the love story was the highlight for me. And then Same. when they when they cut away to the other performers, I was like, oh man, can we just get back to the those other cats? Because everyone else just wasn't as nuanced or they just didn't have the gravitas. What you're talking about is, is um, related to a lot of choices that were made in this production. Like one in particular is like the song somewhere, um, how they gave it to the uh, old lady who runs the drugstore played by Rita, Rita Moreno in the right. 2021 version. But really that song is supposed to be about the, the love interest and how it's yeah. like somewhere there's a place for us because, you know, their love story is not working in this environment, you know? So they're like, and it also has this romantic metaphysical thing to it, which is amazing. And then, and their decision to do it, I think has many like factors to it, but I think, yeah. and, and because then the song became more about like, uh, Puerto Ricans in general, not having a place. Exactly. You know what I mean? And yeah, but but to be honest with you, like that to me was indicative of the movie overall that it it just didn't really sell for whatever for multiple reasons. The romance and the like dreaminess at the core of that romance was not sold as well as in the original. And and also yeah. and also Tony Tony was such a, a dreamer in um in the first version and like and, yes. and, the, and the way they wrote that that first scene of him, it's kind of the first dialogue scene where they introduce him. He's talking about how he just knows something is going to happen. You know, it's like this. He's, he's like yeah. this instinctual dreamer kind of guy. And then um, and I kind of understood the choice, but I didn't like it as much where they made Tony into this like more cerebral kind of like enlightened intellectual guy who like had been to prison and he kind of was more right, like right. rational. Yeah. They, they added that dark backstory. Yeah. I don't remember that dark backstory. Yeah. That was yeah. added. I think and, and it's kind of cool. Ma- I mean, yeah. I, I appreciated the fact that they did that. They made variations on the original, but, but, but those choices made us just not fall in love with Tony as much. And because he wasn't as big a ro- like, yes, they made him a romantic, but he wasn't like a dreamer. If that makes sense. No, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and part of it's, and part I, of I, it's I, casting. <laughs> to, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Part, part, yeah. Part of it is definitely casting, but I do think uh, the, the old, the old version, and this is something I, I, I actually didn't, I didn't even realize was that. So th- this was, Initially written to be a a, a show about, uh, I think it was Jews um, and Catholics, an Irish. Yeah, 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 yeah. J- Jews and Catholic, right? An Irish and a Jewish, and, and I thought that was really interesting. And then they just they sort of you know repurposed it as the influx of, uh, and, well, they repurposed it because there was another there there was another show that was too similar 
to you know this 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 Romeo and Juliet storyline following an Irish person and a, and, a, and a Jewish girl, and then um, they repurposed it to be about Puerto Ricans because of just the timing. Uh, of, Abby's of Irish. Of I'm reading it right now. It's the original. The play that that was too similar is Abby's Irish Rose. So they thought, okay, it's okay. just going to be like Abby's Abby's Irish Rose, but with music. And at that time, they hadn't written it yet, but it was like in development. Basically, where I'm leading is that I thought that the 1961 version, when I was watching it, especially now, I was wondering why Spielberg chose to remake the movie. And he justifies it in that that film doesn't do a lot for, at, at least when it comes to the community and Latin people moving to New York, it, it doesn't it doesn't really tell or champion their story as much as this new one does. And this new one course corrects in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, the 1961 version, as soon as it started, I was like, okay, here we go with the, you got a lot of actors in brown face, you know, that, 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 that was a, that was the (laughs) turnoff there. People just have to start looking tan and you can tell that a lot of the accents are put on and it's just, it just had a superficiality to it when it came to, at least just the Hispanic storylines that I just, I, I did think that, you know, for, for in the reinvention for 2020, 2021, that this one did really well. And I, and this is actually something that I wanted in the Heights to do. And in the Heights, I thought didn't like, at least the film version didn't do that too well, but I, I, I thought that Spielberg's film really did tell this sort of immigrant story and telling the story of New York, New yeah. York really came alive in, in the 2021 version because there are so many sequences where you're cutting to, I mean, there's so many more extras you're seeing, uh, uh, you know, when they're purchasing the gun, it's like, you know, like this black guy and, and, and Riff's dad, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a lot more colorful and the city is just absolutely electric and alive. Whereas in the 1961, the city felt really sleepy. It did not. It felt like they had to clear everyone out. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was almost like uh, what's that incredible Warriors? It was almost like oh, the yeah. Warriors, where the kids have just taken over the city Warriors. and everyone is just gone. Yeah, come out, come to, out play. to play. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I was like, man, like the the choreography and the city looks great, but this is not New York. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's like they just you know maybe it was limited budget or or it whatever was not it was. A so budget. that, but I think it was not. I think the yet. idea of making a gritty musical like at that time was achieved, but I think now we just have a higher standard of what that that looks like, or or a different standard of what that looks like, you know. But it is very clean and and. But that's yes. also part of the reason why it holds up so well. So it's like, so it's it's a I I see it both ways. But I I agree that that Spielberg successfully made those updates. Like I was pretty impressed with that. And also, what did you think about the um the the like revised opening with like they completely re- redid the opening, and I'm glad they did. Um, because uh, they they introduced all that stuff about mm-hmm. about tearing tearing down those properties and like it starts on this big construction site and all that. What do you think of that? I love the new construction opening. I thought that again in the 2021 version that Spielberg did. That's just him him telling the story of the city and bringing that uh, textured 
nuanced story. And that's also, I mean, credit to Tony Kushner, um, but showing the construction set in the beginning. Granted, I did love seeing that helicopter shot in the 1961 version. I thought that that just established New York as we're just starting to see the projects. But Spielberg's opening single take sequence just sort of floating through all the construction and then finding those kids underneath the rubble i thought was i, th- I thought that, that that was definitely pretty genius it just gave you this sense that the city is changing you know and 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 even even them going to the painting and seeing the painting of i, th- I think it's like we love puerto rico or something like, you know I, I know it was like the puerto rican flag uh on on the on the on the um what do you call it handball racquetball What's that called? Handball court. Um, it's in a, on, on the on the court on that playground. Yeah, yeah. they like painted the wall. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I think it's like handball. Yeah, right, uh, the handball maybe. court. But uh, you know, like that that opening sequence. Like, did they have squash so... back in those days? <laughs> <laughs> the squash court. You know. Right. Right. Um, uh, Puerto Ricans invented squash, actually. Um, no way. No, no, I don't. I don't know. No, they didn't. Um, okay. No, that's. <laughs> No, I, I completely I completely agree. Like it was I thought it was really good. I mean, first of all, they they knew not to try to replicate the opening because it's so yeah. classic. Um and so that was smart. And then Tony Kushner. Honestly, I thought some of the best Tony Kushner writing that I've seen in a long time. Uh at least I mean definitely compared to the other Spielberg collabs. Um mm-hmm. Lincoln and Munich, um, which I have a lot of issues with both of those movies. <laughs> and, um, and I think, but Tony Kushner is one of the greatest living writers. Period. Oh, absolutely. And he, I mean, the yeah. guy is so damn multifaceted. I mean, I, I, I'm, I am just so impressed with his level of cultural detail and, uh, and 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 just multifacetedness when it comes to, I mean, he's told stories from people from all over the globe, and it can you can kind of tell that he really does his research. He finds the nuances in the language. I'm sure he worked with obviously someone who speaks Spanish or he speaks Spanish, um, but it, it, yeah, some of that stuff was fabulous. It wasn't like perfect, perfect, you know, like some of the some of the things, you know, because I, I mean, I, I, I have a cousin who's Puerto Rican, you know, and obviously, you know, this. my, you know, a lot of my family, my brother and sister are Dominican. And, you know, so I've, I've, I've lived around Hispanic culture, you know, for the better part of my life. And I, I won't say that it's like perfect, at least in this movie, but it, it is really, really good. It's really good. Nice. I was going to say random fact about Kushner. Um, cause you know, he, he, he wrote angels in America, which is a right. lot about, about the millennium, um, or this you know, the second millennium. So what his focus in college, like he had sort of like a independent study or like maybe he had a thesis or something, but like his, fo- his primary focus in college was the first millennium. Really? 1000 AD. Yeah. That was, oh he's God. Yeah, like he would study. He studied like art, culture, history at that point. <laughs> is that a fucking I mean, insane? The ho- yeah. the homie is uh, what is it when when you're you, you, it's not even because I know anthropology is the study of, of humans, and then I mean, and then you have ethnography is the study of like research, and I I, I think that 
he 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 walks those two those two lines of, of yeah, anthropology I mean, and ethnography as a storyteller. I mean, yeah. yeah, his his stuff is you know I mean you're probably an Angels in America fan. It's I mean it's all about Angels, yeah, reli- religion, religion, nationality, like um, so you know sociological stuff. It's like he he knows how to. I mean, look, nothing he's done has touched that really. Yeah. And, and I, th- I don't think it ever will, but like, it was at least cool to see him like create something that had like, uh, just that much, like this movie did have a lot going on. Like there was a lot of themes tightly packed in and it had some really great dialogue. I did not think the actors knew how to deliver it. <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't like, like most of the, especially those male actors, um, in the first 10 minutes or so, like, where there's that scene with with the uh, with the, cop. the jets, yeah, with the jets and the cop, just, and like, yeah. and there's some great lines in there that are just like they're just a couple. It's like in each line of dialogue, there's like all these. This is a very specific thing I'm describing, but like in each line of dialogue, there's like a certain rhythm and cadence, right? And I think yeah. that, um, and I think that actors these days are trained to like write. Ca- to sort of deliver contemporary TV writing, which is like, or whatever it is. It has a very specific cadence and they know how to construct their like beats and their decisions to, to go on that cadence. And I felt that Kushner was writing a, a more advanced cadence. He was writing like the more like old school, like, you know, the kind of the stuff he was writing with in Angels in America, like those kind of sentences. And 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 they just didn't they were just like a, a, like a, a beat or two behind or like they mm. didn't really they didn't know how to like how to how to sell that dialogue without it feeling like written, if that makes sense. It just yeah. it's it's like with Aaron Sorkin, like you have to know how to do Aaron Sorkin dialogue and and make it sound natural. And it's like. This is like a very, um, and and this is like a new version of Kushner dialogue that we haven't really heard yet, and um, and eh. but I think I, I think <laughs> I thought honestly, yeah. I thought I thought Ariana that that's I, that is what I was about to say is like yeah if, when it if came there was to, one person who really ate that I thought Ariana ate it and then I thought the guy who played Bernardo what's his name. He, I thought he killed it too. Yeah, so good. Uh, David Alvarez. Yeah, I I mean, I'm was pretty fantastic. That's true. I I was super impressed with. At first, I was kind of like, "All right, what's the big hype with Debose? Like, is she really that great?" Yeah, she. (laughs) 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 No, you know, and she's really fucking good. I read that she recently just got cast as a, a, a big Sony villain in the. You know, so she's joining the Marvel universe. But uh, I I actually love hearing those sort of things <laughs> before I watch a movie like that because then I'm watching the movie and I'm like I'm I'm looking for those <laughs> I'm looking for those moments yeah. when when you can see her get the weight of being like a superhero or you know a Bond villain or something like that and she had some scenes boy like you know that scene after Bernardo dies and. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I mean, you know, not only is her emotion great, but she has such a great uh, beat change when she comes into that bedroom and discovers Tony in there escaping. Right. And then she, like, look, looks back at her sister and, you know, 
or you know sister-in-law whatever and slaps the shit out of her i was like yo and the look that she gave her was so powerful you know Mm. she just knew she knew when you're talking about those cadences she knew how to use her body face voice as such a great instrument she like really sat into that that role and made it her own and and again you know comparing it to 1961 she just they're they're just so different. I mean, Rita was also fantastic, I thought, in the 1961 version. Um, but she just had more of a – she had less of – she wasn't scary. I, I, I found I found Ariana to be, like, almost almost like frightening and had, had a wild sense of, like, spontaneity about her, whereas right. Rita Moreno had more of this sort of grounded presence – you yeah, know, yeah. like, like, like just, just, just being like a very grounded, soulful older sister. Um, right. Right. You know, like, like they, they were just, they were like fire and water. They were different elements in that way, at least performance wise. But yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think, I, I mean, nothing against Rita Moreno's performance. It's, it's great, but it didn't leave me with any particular impression. Like it wasn't extremely memorable to me in the way that I mean, especially the America number. Oh know? yeah, yeah. Like I actually, like I, th- I loved the America number in the in the twenty twenty one more than the nineteen sixty one. I think it was same here. <laughs> like definitely, I thought it was. I thought that was one part of it that was like a straight up improvement. Yes. And and she was so like. There's this moment where where Ariana Debose is is walking out to the street to like do that mm-hmm. number and she just has like, and she looks, she kind of has this like cheeky look to one of the other girls or like, or like almost to camera where it's like, she just has this crazy confidence, Yes, but she gives a look, she gives a look like she knows what's coming and that like what's about to come <laughs> is going to like fuck you up. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 That's right. And it's like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly. Like, what I mean. She walks with that's uh, you know. I think she's from New York, if I'm not mistaken. Ariana, <laughs> yeah. she got she got to be. Oh damn, she's from North Carolina. She got this <laughs> swag though. They got swag like that in North Carolina. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we got we got to take a trip down there at some point. Exactly. Um, yeah. We got we got to go to Raleigh. We got to get to Raleigh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cut to Austin Raleigh, just like God. eating at some like damn. Vietnamese restaurant. Like fuck. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, no, she was so, she was like an athlete. Like yes. to me, it felt, it was like, and like what I'm talking about, about selling the physicality and the dancing, like she did, you know, yes, she really did. And, uh, I think more so than any particular line of dialogue or anything, but like in her, in her expression and her presence in her dancing, like, uh, yeah, she, she, she glows. And I wish that I saw this in the theater so that I could like witness that on the big screen. Cause apparently it was pretty magical. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of, I, cause, okay. Cause I, 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 I like that right now we're, we're, we're sort of bouncing between performance and Kushner's writing, you know, at yeah. least in terms of this sort of reinvention. And I just, I want to jump to, cause we're talking about some of the supporting cast, the, the character of uh, anybody's, which yep. I, I, I I loved that character in there's this earnestness of that character in the original 1961 version and yeah, the 2021 yeah. version I am all for you know the the sort I know where this is going. <laughs> I am all for you know the sort of just let's try to 
uh, you know, just just make this m- make this character embody sort of the, the sort of the transgender um, uh, 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 evolution, you know, in, ter- in our society, and and also and just you know and and showcasing these characters with with the right political politically correctness, you know, and but in the 2021 version, it felt a little forced. It felt a little forced yeah. because that character is so organic in the 1960. What she's kind of just hanging around, but in the 2021 version, it's like, all right, we got to show, we got to show his journey, right? We got to show this character's journey, you know, uh, uh, as as someone who identifies as a boy who's yeah. who wants to be a part of this gang. But it felt a little forced because that character is just given these sort of single takes, you know, like these single sequences and even, even, and also close-ups. Yeah. And these close-ups. Yeah. Yeah, That, that just, it's, it's like, wait, who is that? You know, like, like like they just, he he, he just appears in the, in the film. It just, that character just had a very forced introduction that did not, it it, it actually, I I thought that it could have used more nuance. Whereas the 1961 version granted, you know, it, it there wasn't a big sort of coming out scene that 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 could win us over like this 2021 version has. I mean, there's this huge coming out scene where it's you know I I am a boy and he beats the shit out of the police officers yeah. and beats the shit out of all the uh, you know all the other dudes and like you know is able to sort of run away and escape the cops. It was just a little. It was a little on the nose, I thought, and 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 yep. I think that these sort of characters. Um, they're just done well with nuance, you know, and and I I think I think uh, I think that could have used a little bit more nuance and sort of organic weaving into the story and and fleshing that character out. I agree with you, but I think what was great about the original is that they managed to make um, that character part of the part of the gang, but not but not like but very few close ups, you know, very few we 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 didn't follow. Uh, follow her as as a specific character in that, and, and, and that's what I thought was amazing was that yeah. that character had less close ups in the nineteen sixty one original, but was more memorable to me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, because I because yeah, they weren't forcing it, and also because it wasn't forced, you know. Yeah, and I we also have to remember this is a uh, the new version is still a period piece. I mean, they never say when it's set, but it's obviously set in the late fifties or right. early sixties or whatever. And, and I felt like the, that was one element that I felt like they were, were pretty obviously just kind of modernize. Yeah. They were, but not only that, they were superimposing cultural, uh, behaviors onto that period in a way that I felt like it bent, it bent a little and then broke at a certain point. And, and it's like, you were saying how the racial stuff doesn't age very well from 1961, but what did age well from 1961 was was that character. You know what yes. I mean? Because because we're looking at that now and being like, oh yes, she's like what what now would be you know some become a trans person. But like, but they don't have to they don't have to say that for that to to hit home. You know what yeah. I mean? And it would yeah. be more it would be more authentic if they just let it let it live just as this live. like at it you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. Let it live. And then uh, the one thing I will say is that there there is one you know one nice scene at the end of the 2021 version 
right before, I, I believe it's right before Chino kills Tony. One of the members of the, the Jets refers to him as, as, as the pronoun he wants to be called and says, hey, you, you, you are one of the boys. Something, something along the lines of that. And I, and I did think that that was he cool. Call, he, calls, he calls him buddy boy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which and he I thought, does, which is also in the original. Oh, that is in the original. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. That was really powerful. That's a really good moment, you know? And it's really smartly written because yeah. they're always like, yeah, we can't have any girls in the gang, no girls in the gang. And then they're like, res- and then they respect her and they call her buddy boy. And it's like, that's good writing. You know what I yes. mean? Like that's, yes, that's all you writing. need, bro. Cause yeah, it, yeah, it, it, yeah, it comes out. It's organic. Um, they did another really nice moment like that because Ariana is darker. And there was a moment before, you know, the, this sort of, I would say it's like, a, I mean, the scene alludes to them almost about to rape her, you know, but like this sort of attack scene that's happening in the restaurant. And then when she's trying to leave, I think uh, one of them, one of them uh, makes a joke about her being too dark. And I thought, oh, right. you know, I thought that was like, I was like, okay, here we go. You know, like I, I actually, but it came out in an organic moment. Moments like that, you know, look, you know, I, I, I feel like people are <laughs> walking this sort of, uh, you know, like this, this, this very thin plywood trying to balance on this beam to be PC and make sure that, they're checking all the boxes and, and, you know, and like supporting all the communities that they want to support. But I think at the end of the day, as long as these things just come out organically and these characters get the nuance that they deserve, because, you know, I mean, there are great films that have been made that, that showcase a lot of this nuance. And when we see it on the studio level, I think that's what people want more so than the, the telegraphing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. You keep saying nuance, but I, but and and in a sense, I felt like they were trying to give more screen time and presence and weight to that character, but somehow yeah. in doing so, gave her or him her less personality. Yes, you know what I mean. Exactly. And I don't know. And and it's again partially casting, but I think it's I think with an issue like that, it's across the board. It's it's writing, it's directing, and and it's casting and performance. You know what I mean? Because it's like. And somehow, somehow the essence was just lost a little bit, but yeah. Moving on to, uh, I love to talk about just sort of the, the big changes that they did. Uh, you know, like there, there's a huge shift uh, in when Rift dies and then also the placement of I Feel Pretty. This movie, yep. the 1961 version, I was reading that the directors wanted to sort of maintain some tension. So I feel pretty and all this sort of positive stuff happens before, but then, then they cut the, this sort of romantic date scene. And then in the new version, there's this whole scene where Tony takes Maria on the subway and they go up to, you know, they basically have like a romantic date at like, what is it like an abandoned church or something? It's like a, oh, yeah. a museum, yeah, the church. Go to like a museum. Yeah. Church. And, it, you know, like I actually I loved that. I thought that was great. Again, the writing and the and, you know, just the chemistry just wasn't electric enough for me to want the scene as much as I as much as I wanted it. But I I, I did. I did love that they added that in this version to try and yeah. just beef up the love story. Now, yeah. the placement of I feel pretty, I think, you know, it, it's interesting because. 
in the other version, in 1961, the movie, that happens, but like the movie is basically a somber. The last 30, 45 minutes are just extremely somber. But then with the 2021 version, because I Feel Pretty is, is put back where it originally was, it's like, it's like we're, we're watching this scene, but we know that there's all this horror outside that she's completely unaware of. Which I, I actually think it, it's um I, I'm the more I think about it, I actually think I do love that contrast more, you know, of just watching this I feel pretty and she's just getting ready, not knowing that her brother was just killed. Yeah. You know, and 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 this war, this rumble has become something so much darker. So I, I gotta say the, the there was some electricity sort of infused as an undercurrent in that scene that I think bringing it back to the original is stronger. Yeah, I I think I agree. Um, and I gotta say, like they did a good job at just making the film feel dynamic in a way that I think if they had followed the exact template of the original in terms of where wh- where to set the songs and also like in what order they would go in, then it would feel so familiar that it was boring. So I think I th- I do I do think it was a good choice for that reason. But I I also like in watching. The, like pro- especially like the first half of uh, the 61 version, I was reminded like, okay, this is kind of why I don't love musicals is because they all seem to follow the same kind of rhythm. It's like, it's sort of like on like exciting ensemble dances at the beginning. You set yeah. up the two romantic leads and then you have these like ballads in their room about like <laughs> kind of longing for stuff. And yep. then you have like, and then I feel like the I feel pretty thing fits into the template of like introducing the young or, you know, you know, the romantic lead who's like getting excited about shit. Yeah. And, 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 and granted West side story um, is probably responsible for inventing a lot of what we now know is so I kind of iconic and familiar. Yeah. Like I'm not saying they didn't, I'm not saying it wasn't new at the time or whatever, but since then that template has been copied so many times that I, that it's just like, like even in La La Land, they have this scene of like uh, her with her three friends. You remember like getting ready, getting ready to go out. That's essentially, that's a complete, I actually, I love that you brought that up because I I remember seeing that sequence and then watching this movie. I was like, Oh, that's what that's from. You know, yeah. like that, yeah. it's just fun. It's just fun to see where people are sort of pulling, pulling all of their, their, their inspirations and, 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 and nods. Yeah. But then to see them like take that out of its normal place and be like, yeah, we get it. Like she's getting ready for, the, cause that was her getting ready for the dance. Right. She is when she's, when she's saying, I feel pretty well, no, or she no, wasn't getting no. ready for the dance there. She was actually think I think she was just getting ready for a date with him. Okay, okay. You know, like so they could just have, you know, some like 15 minutes or something together. Yeah. Um and then in in the in the 2021 version. So, I mean, what was nice is that they set it also at the department store instead of the apartment. And you saw all of the uh like people that she worked with. Okay, I think yeah, she's like I feel pretty because she's fantasizing about it's it's her fantasizing about a wedding and a future. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they actually didn't get married. That's a huge one. They they like there was like this whole wedding ceremony in the original. Right, right. That right, was right, right, that right. was big. You know that that I um that I almost forgot. Yeah, like there that yeah. was a really 
you know, like like they're they're just in the back of the the store, you know, or yeah, like the the sort of the the knitting factory or you know the fabric where, where they're making all the dresses, and they have like this faux wedding. Um, where they get that's pretty married sick. together. Yeah, I like. I for, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. And that's and probably in. I don't know why they removed it, but I think they removed that and instead replaced it with the. Uh, you know, I will. I'll, I'll love you, siempre. That whole yeah. thing. I love Para you forever. Siempre. Yeah. Um. They replaced it with that, and also, te, te adoro, and also, te adoro. Si, si. and um, and also with going to the the church, like those were replacements. But honestly. But, dude, Devil's Advocate, like, had they put the, uh, we're such nerds, <laughs> but the had, they put the, uh, had they put the, the I feel pretty scene where it was, and if they had them getting married, that's, that helps to sell the whole romance of it. It you know does. What I mean? It like, does. Did they improve on that? I don't know. I don't know. Not really. Yeah. But it was, I mean, like, like, like we said, the supporting and the world, yeah. you know, and, and I think because of that, this is, if I'm going to show a West Side Story movie to my sister, who is Afro-Latina and she's 11 and she hasn't seen it, I got to be honest, I would probably lean towards Spielberg's version. Wow. Yeah. Because. Yeah, that makes sense. As, as much as, uh, you know, the original is cool, this new show, version. Show her I both. Just, yeah, show her both. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I would love. I mean. That, that is yeah. the thing. I, would, I always love her seeing both, you know, like so she can just understand, you know, how, how representation has, has evolved, how. I, I like her understanding cinematography and things like that too. But, um, but I, but w w when I say that, I think that like for, for kids and people discovering this story, I, yeah. I, I am, I am happy with them discovering this new version. Whereas, because we're living in an age of just remaking so much, <laughs> so many classics, uh, I, I would rather, you know, kids see the original Lion King or the original oh jun God, ju Jungle definitely. Book, you know, because it, the magic isn't there. Whereas, I, okay, here's my big question: Do you think, do you think Spielberg captured the, the the magic? You know, because that that's like a huge thing of watching movies like this. I thought he captured magic in it. Um, yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I I don't think it was the same magic, um, and I don't think, I mean. Uh, our friend Talia put it really well. She basically was kind of like, um, she was like, look, they're both gr great productions of this musical. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, it's not really that one is like a remake of the other movie. They're both adaptations of a musical, you know? And, and, and like, um, so, and I think they approached it in that way where they're like, we're adapting this. We're, we're going to, actually make an adaptation it's not going to be a remake of the original so i don't mm -hmm. think it's so much about recapturing the magic of the first film it's like let's do a west side story and like of course you're not going to escape the the original film but but i think they were smart to not replicate it in many ways because because i think spielberg would want people to also watch the original i don't think he is trying to replace it but i think but I think it's. I think it was a film worth making. Like at Absolutely. the end of the day, and I think it was. Yeah. And and it was a good. It was a good version. Yeah. You know. Uh, an, another another scene that I that I actually preferred in the new film was the cool song. You know, yeah. cool. You know, where 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 the another, another to, song that they completely recontextualized. 
Yes, exactly. Completely recontextualized. Because in the 1961, the Cool song is done in a garage and after Riff is killed. And I actually, that that number I did not like at all in the 1961. Really? Granted, I, I, I like the, I love the setting of the garage with them turning the different car lights on. I thought that was really just coolly choreographed and the lighting was really good in there. But I, I just, I was like, I don't care about any of these characters singing this song right now because, because they had basically Riff has died. Tony's not in it. So no one I care about is in this. So this is purely just like, you know, like the ensemble of the jets who I don't care about. And these, these characters are already set up to be villains. I don't even think anybody's is in that, you know? So you, you don't really have any character who has like, uh, you know, who you have a, an emotional attachment to in that scene. Whereas I did love that in the new version, the cool down is now all choreographed in that. That was a sick fucking location, by the way, that location yeah, that, was, that they found by the docks, which is basically like this dilapidated, it's you know, this, yeah. And, they, and then warehouse, they're on, yeah, they're on like a like, roof or, or it's like a completely open, a pier, like a pier. Yeah. It's like, it's like one of those, one of those big, you know, sort of uh, buildings that's uh, that, that's on a pier, but all the bottom is open, so you can fall down into the river, or you know. I don't like, think it was it was I don't think it was over a body of water, but whatever. It was it was it was in a. It's like weak. a. It it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't over a body of water. There were, there were, it was it was just like a. I think it was like a three. It was like an old three story <laughs> building that was basically all were left were like the wooden rafters but then they had these big holes in them anyways we were well, there's holes in it, but, but this, i but, yeah but but i but i, <laughs> I know <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we, we 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 do love us some fucking set design folks yeah um but um but yeah but i love that it was about them fighting over this gun and like, like the way that weapons were introduced in this in spielberg's version was really interesting. I love the context and how complicated it was to get weapons. Whereas in mm, the 1961, cool, yeah. I mean, they just they just had knives and the gun just they just had a gun. You know, whereas like yeah, you know, like they paid attention to. I I, I had a lot of issues in, actually in the 1961 because there's just so many uh, issues with how law enforcement worked in the world. And look, granted, I know this is an operatic musical and it's fiction, but there were so many things going on. Like when the officer finds Tony's body, he just walks over and he picks up the gun. And I was like, dude, right, that's, right. that's evidence. What are you doing? There's just so many things. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, the, the cop would, isn't going to do that. And the way that they would find the kids, you know, it's just, it, I really, I found myself straining to believe certain things. It's funny. Like I, I did love that scene in the 1961 version where, Tony, like you said, was, you know, he has this sort of ballet where like the cop light is searching for him. Yes. But yeah, that, that was, scene, yeah. that was the most theatrical thing is just like this spotlight is like so on him. cool and it's on him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It just, I mean, that, yes, dude, it was, it went on a little long for me. Cause I was like, okay, like, are they going to say something, <laughs> you know, like, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, dude, it was, I agree with you. And I like, I like that. Kushner took it in a realism direction, but that was not what they were trying to do in the original. They weren't like, yeah. 
they weren't like let's let's figure out what a cop would actually do. I mean, most <laughs> most real movies didn't follow those rules. Like in in Vertigo, you know, in, in like Hitchcock movies, you know, in Vertigo and shit, they had they had all kinds of random shoe like you know taking out all kinds of shoe leather to just keep the story moving and taking all that's kinds right. of things for granted. So, anyways, yeah, that's right. That's right. I got to call out, at least just in talking uh, about just the, the directorial choices, I have to call out one thing that I thought was incredible in the 1961 version was, uh, there was there are a lot of really fascinating transitions. And transitions were really hard to do back in the day. So they had to, you know, they had to do double exposure and the way that they had to like blend the film, you know, and darken it literally by hand, you know, in the editing room. And there is this transition. It's right before they go to the dance. There's this moment where Maria and what's her name? I think think it's Maria and Anita and they're dancing and they just start spinning. And then the camera like does this fade to black or it fades to red. And then you just see the red spinning, spinning. And it's this red blob spinning because it's like they just blended the ink or, or just the photochemicals and then it just fades right. back into it, it fades into the or, or cross photochemical transitions into the ballroom scene yeah. and the ballroom yeah. scene starts off with this dreamlike haze because of I don't know what they did to the film to give it this haze but it takes it's like hazy until it gets sharp again I thought that was really fucking cool yeah it's amazing when stuff like that can can still hold up. Yeah, that was I so agree cool because because yeah. I knew that they did that with the. You can only get that effect photochemically. You can do it digitally, but it just won't feel as. It was like watching, you know, uh, 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 it was like watching fucking molecules move, and you know, it was just right, such an right. organic transition. And when I say organic, I mean literally organic. Uh, yeah. Spielberg didn't do as many. He you know he had some really cool whip pans and match cuts. You know, he, he sort of had his, his level of like bravado filmmaking, but I, I thought I thought there was a little bit more restraint with just the transitions. Although the cinematography, I mean, uh, I think Guillermo del Toro even called it out in 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 the 2021 version, where they're in the when 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 um, Tony is with Rita Moreno's new Valentina character, and we're introducing their relationship, and then. One of the one of the first shots of the two of them is that is that reflection shot on the ground, and all of that's done in like a single take sequence. And apparently, uh, Janice Kaminsky, you know, had that idea. That was like one of the final shots that they did of the whole movie. But that oh, was wow. so sick. Nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. They know what they're doing, those guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, he knows. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Tonight. Tonight, um, so I think I think, I think I mean, those are those are the major things that I wanted to hit. I mean, I yeah, same. Yeah, West Side Story. Uh, you know, I I, I mean, I, I will say those movies are so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know. Oh, I, I mean, had a I had a question. They don't um, always need to be that long. No. Well, that's it's kind of an epic, so like it does need some length, but yeah. yeah. Um, question: Do you know if they shot um, the new one on film or not? I, we can find this out really quickly. Yeah. 
Um, no, it was shot digitally. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm lying. Nope, nope, nope. 35 uh, millimeter film? Kodak Vision 350D. Well, in that case, it looked a little too digital for me. Like it was something it's really sharp. It's just so like it's 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 so digitized pristine. and and colored and pristine and sharp that I yeah not not my favorite but like but I mean still really I, mean, I was more I was more impressed by the production itself yeah than I was by the cinematography exactly but but I also was so like engaged with what I was watching like uh, the performances and all that that I got to say I wasn't really able to pay as much attention to like uh, the cinematography and the, and the coverage and all that. Um, but it was obviously impressive. I mean, the way he's able to shoot like group dance scenes and stuff and cut them together. I mean, he's a fucking, he's a master, but oh, I sure. didn't fully flex, but, but I wasn't, I wasn't nearly as impressed with that stuff as I was with the original. Like that's, that to me was something that I, like I felt like the cinematography and the staging of the original was like was just spectacular and like yeah and and this was spectacular in a, in a different way but in a way that was like they were trying so hard you know in a way that I <laughs> that I like admire because I'm like wow they really yeah. w they really um, went the whole nine yards for this I mean movie. I I think in, in this movie I I I feel like I saw every light in Hollywood yeah. <laughs> and every camera instrument used was, was, was in West Side Story. I saw, yeah. I saw techno crane. I saw handheld. I saw, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I saw crazy close-ups. Like, you know, I saw handheld shots tracking. I saw techno cranes tracking. We saw helicopter movement. I mean, it, it, they, they pulled out every stop. Um, yeah. You know, it was like, <laughs> that's why, I, I mean, to me, to me, like this was, you know, you have a master of, of, of his craft. Yeah. And I'm actually glad that he did this because it makes me more excited for what Spielberg has to do next, because I feel like he wanted to do something where, he, you know, he did his full Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. I am going to the <laughs> strong man and I'm going to flex every muscle that I have as a filmmaker on you guys. And that's what he did. I mean, like, like the shots and everything are just insane. I mean, and I know? think that's, I think that's what you get when, because I, I read some quote with him saying that he's been looking to do a musical for like for so long. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the quote was in like the mid two uh, or like 2014 or something. And he said, I've been looking for a musical for 20 years and I just haven't found one, but I want to do something like the sound of music or, or West side story right. in the sense that he wants it to be in that tradition, like a traditional musical. And then, so of course, if he remakes what he feels like is, the apex of, of the genre and he's right, going right. after a film that he already thinks is a classic. Then Maximalism. He's be, yeah. Then he's going to max out and like try to do his, his best work. And, um, that was fun to see. I mean, it really was like, it wasn't like when you watch ready player one or something, even though that's such an impressive film, you feel yeah. like he's just, he's just, he's just punching the clock a little bit. <laughs> like, <not> just, <laughs> like I actually love ready player one, but it does, it does feel like a day off for him. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's true. Like, That's I mean, so funny. I know a day off for Spielberg. Yeah, is like, come on, day off for Spielberg like, for 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 most people, including us, is like is unthinkable. But it's um, unthinkable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but hey, kudos on on reinventing and and finding a reason for that movie to to exist and um, yeah. 
and also, you know, and be so culturally re- relevant. So thank you, Mr. Kushner and Steven Spielberg. And, and thank you, the, Mr. Kushner. Yeah. Incredible cast uh, of that film. Um, they're going to go on to be in Marvel and all that good stuff. And, um, and also, yeah, respect and shout out to the 1961, you know, um, hey, West Side, New York, a New York story. Uh, so this is for all, all, all the New York heads. So, um, you know, we love you guys. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out. Tonight. Tonight.